0: Paul in the Gospel, of rule of the Gospel in the book of Romans said this in chapter 1. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Father, again, we thank you for truth, we thank you that you have revealed your truth in your word, the written word. We thank you that you've revealed truth through the incarnate word, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who has come to this earth, who came to this earth and, and died for our sins. Father, again, we thank you that, that in him righteousness is found and that we have been made righteous not on our own merit but on on what he accomplished both in his life and on death on the cross lord again we thank you that the gospel itself is the power your power uh, of salvation and help us not to be ashamed ashamed of you ashamed of your work Ashamed of the gospel itself. Lord, I pray that we would not be ashamed. Forgive us for those times that we were not bold when we could have been bold, when we did not speak the word because we were afraid. Lord, your word and your gospel is so glorious, and yet sometimes we shrink when given the opportunity to share. Lord, please forgive us. Lord, help us to stand strong in this world that we live, Our world is changing very quickly and we need to, as Corinthians says, act like men. Help us to be bold. Help us to to be truth-tellers. To be willing to suffer for the truth and for the gospel. Because again, we proclaim together we're not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is indeed the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Lord, speak to each one of our hearts. Lord, if we're a believer, that we would become more committed to your truths. And Lord, if there are individuals here that have never truly trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, may may this day be the the day of their salvation. Lord, I just ask that you would give us insight and illumination in your word. Help us be people of the book. In Christ's name, amen. may be seated. As you know, we've been in a series on Revelation. My intention today was to actually look at the nation of Israel, because Israel is so key in, uh, in the book of Revelation. But after a number of things that have happened this last week, I, I decided to just change direction for this one day. I guess the question is, what's happened to America? What has happened to America? There was a time years ago where God and country were actually wedded together, I don't think in a helpful way. In fact, that's why I think your outline says God and country, question mark. (laughs) You know, we all kind of went down the same path, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. God and country, the American flag, patriotism, Baseball, apple pie, and going to church—it all was wedded together. I mean, everybody did all that, you know. Uh, There was a Judeo-Christian ethic. There was a sense of morality. By the way, this is not a political message. (laughs) Let me put that right out on the thing. This this message was written two thousand years ago. America wasn't even around. Wasn't even thought. This is God's message. This is sovereignty work, and this is what we're going to be looking at. If you want to turn to Romans chapter 1, I just want to show you how does God treat a people? or Let's say it more specifically. How does God treat a people or a person who doesn't want to listen to him? How does God treat a people... A people being a nation, a country, or even a person. And by the way, the person doesn't have to be an unbeliever. How does God treat a person who doesn't want to listen to him? I, you, you have these illustrations throughout Scripture. i just throw you out a few of them. Think about Samson. That's a tragic story. The strongest man that ever lived. By the way, his strength came from the Lord. That's why they asked me, like, where's the strength come from? Because don't think of Samson as this 350-pound giant. He would have looked at like a lot of us. (laughs) I won't even describe it. Just kind of, probably even skinny. But his strength came from the Lord. But in, in Judges chapter 16, verse 18, and again, this is after Samson had disregarded God's direction many times. His weakness was women. And in verse 18 of chapter 16, verse 18, it says, When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent, she sent for a Philistine, Philistines, for a man, and had his, had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from, from his sleep and said... I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free now this is the this is one of the the, the saddest statements of all of scripture, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Isn't that sad? Used by God in a mighty way to deliver God's people from ungodly nations and yet at this point, he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Now, what makes this interesting is Samson was a believer. Hebrews chapter 11 makes that clear. So here's a believer who disregarded God's direction. And again, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come on a person and, and leave a person. Not, Latin, not salvation, but as far as leaving a person, as far as uh, the ability to, uh, to uh, do marvelous and uh, miraculous works. And the Lord had departed from him. Again, what happened to him then? Philistine seized him, gouged out his eyes, bound him with chains, put him in, a, uh, put him in the prison as like a donkey in the grinding. By the way, that's what sin does to you. <laughs> sin always destroys you, hurts you, makes you suffer. But these are people who are sinners that did that. But what's the point? Well, as one man said, God had abandoned Samson. God had abandoned him and allowed him to suffer the consequences of his own sin. That's going to be the theme here. Sometimes God, and I say sometimes because sometimes marvelous grace rescues, but in your own life, if whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, Many times God allows you to suffer the consequences of your own sins because he has pointed out and pointed out and pointed out and we have said no, we are going to do it our own way. That's believer Samson. Well then you have a nation. In Isaiah chapter 4 verse 17 it says this, in, in um, Ephraim, which He's referring to the nation of Israel, is joined to idols. Now this is the, the, the hard saying, Let him alone. Now think about it. Doesn't that sound unloving? The nation of Israel has their idols, and God tells the prophet, let him alone. Just let him do and go down the path of destruction. Let him alone. Let him suffer the consequences of their sin. Boy, it doesn't sound like the character of God of love. I mean, don't you want to bring him back? God, don't you want to bring Ephraim back? No, sometimes God abandons a nation. You see that with Israel, uh, whoring after their idols, other nations, immorality. What happens? Judgment. Seventy years taken away into captivity. And that happened a number of times, by the way. In the 70 AD, they're dispersed, they're coming back still. By the way, Israel is not a nation that has received her Messiah yet. I do believe, though, this this generation is the generation that Israel received her Messiah. What's the, what's the principle here? God will let go, or if you want to use the word abandon, God will let go a person or a nation when they abandon him. Uh, write this verse down if it's not there, Acts fourteen fifteen. 14 verse 15, the living God who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all the things that are in them, who in bygone generations, this is what God has done, in bygone generations allowed all nations, plural, all nations to walk in their own ways. What is he saying there? God lets nations walk in their own ways. He lets them go the path of their heart. The question is, has God abandoned America? I will say this, he's allowed other nations to go their own way. In fact, I, I can say this, he's, he's allowed every nation, eventually, they go their own way. Every nation. I, I like how one man said it. One historian, this is a, I don't know if he's a Christian, but a, a church historian says it this way. The history of the world is the judgment of the world. The history of the world. Just look at, just look at the nations. Look at Rome. Look at Greece. The Aztecs. Germany. Look at just, just look at nations. God lets nations go their own way. Oh, there's times of uh, enlightenment and revival. You know, it happened back in our nation, 1700s, for a time. I'm not saying there's never a rescue. By the way, this is not doom and gloom. Oh, brother, we came here and now he's going to, you know. No, 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 no. Let's get God's perspective. This is sovereignty working. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's your father. This is how God deals with people. The principle is this. God allows a people to go their own way and to suffer the consequences for their sin. Believer, unbeliever, I mean, believer, what do you think the, the sin unto death is in 1 John 5? There's times, thankfully for believers, doesn't he just rescue you? I mean, sometimes, do you ever feel like uh, sin has got you like a flesh hook in your, and it's just dragging you along? And sometimes God comes, as it were, with his axe, whack! And he says, no, that sin is no longer going to have rule over you. Well, it didn't have rule over you in the first part because actually you've been, you know, no longer under chains of unrighteousness. But you know what? Sometimes we allow ourselves to get entangled with sins, even as a believer. And God wonderfully rescues us. I, I hope at that moment of rescue we are very grateful and we determine at that point on never to walk in that path again. Sometimes we don't, though. We gossip. We get caught. We repent. And two weeks later, we're gossiping again. Or worry, or sexual immorality, or ungodliness, or bitterness, or anger, and sometimes, I mean, when I mean flesh, I mean—I don't mean just sexual immorality. I'm talking sin. Sin can drag you along. You've got to depend on God to rescue us. You know, Jesus said of the Pharisees in Matthew 15, verse 14, let them alone. Now, this is, this is a This is Jesus speaking of a group of religious leaders who are not believers, obviously. And this is what he told them. He told his disciples, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. When when God says, "Let let them alone, that means there's abandonment there. There's no hope. Let me define abandonment, by the way. I mean, what do I mean by abandoned by God, whether it's a person, a group, people? What I'm referring to is this, and I'm going to put the removal of restraining grace. That's what I'm talking about. The removal of restraining grace, i.e., God just lets you go. God lets you go. God turns over a society to its sins and the consequences of those sins. He allows them to reap not only the cause but the result of their sin. And this, again, is the cycle of history. Over and over and over. Nothing new. Nothing new under the sun when it comes to how God deals with people. God is gracious. He is merciful. He is loving. I mean, He sent His Son to die for sinners. And yet sinners reject. Many times it's even a... And I keep saying believer because I don't want to put this just in the ungodly, I mean, the unsaved category. Sometimes it might be you as a believer and you had the opportunity... And, and yet you are, you are sucking in whatever sin that you want, and it's just pulling you and pulling you and pulling you. There is still rescue if you can hear what I'm saying. What do I mean? In other words, if you still have the choice of saying, Lord, I want to follow you, but, but you can get that, that uh, hook so deep that you just want to, and, and that becomes your idol, that becomes your, your designer sin, as it were. No, you don't want to go there. You want to be sensitive to the Spirit. You want to turn from wickedness. You don't want to allow God to just uh, let you go the path of your sin. But this also happens as a, uh, to a nation. And if you're in Romans, I don't know, did I tell you to go to Romans 1? If not, go to Romans 1. <laughs> now again, I read for you before we prayed, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. That's where righteousness is found. Christ on the cross took the penalty for our sin. When a person receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, a transaction happens. Our sin has been taken care of, but then he his righteousness, his righteous life that he lived on this earth, and the righteous death that he died, his active righteousness and his passive righteousness is given to the account of the sinner. that's why he says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Because when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we stand not in our righteousness, but in his. And that's why we should not be ashamed. By the way, do you ever get ashamed? Yeah, Given the opp- this week you're going to have an opportunity. You're going to be with unsaved, probably family, friends, you know, 4th of July. I." God will be knocking on your heart to share truth, right? Because we're lights in this world. That's, what, that's why we're left. Everything else we can do better in heaven. The one reason we're here, why? Share the truth. He's going to be knocking on our heart to share, and some of us won't take the opportunity. The door will be open. We have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with a family or fr- a friend that we haven't seen for a long time at a Fourth of July party, and we won't take that opportunity. And the reality is what? We are ashamed. Oh, we might be ridiculed. We might be put down. You know, stop being so fanatical. Can't we just enjoy a 4th of July party without you saying something about Jesus? You know, the center of the universe. (laughs) Right? Isn't he? Remember Revelation 4 and 5, the throne is in the center. He's standing with God himself. He is the center personality of the entire universe. No, no, we'll just talk about stars and stripes. I might say we're citizens of a different nation. All right, Let's, we better get to the text. verse 18. I wanted to see you the, the transition here. He's talking about the gospel in verses 16 and 17, but now he says, "The wrath of God. Why? Because it was because of the wrath of God that Christ came to die. Because the wrath of God was on a people, all people. <laughs> Christ came and He absorbed the wrath of God on the cross. If you have a MacArthur Study Bible, he's he's brought out a good point that when we look at the word wrath, there's a number of different types of wrath. There's eternal wrath. That's the wrath that a that a Christian that an unbeliever who is not a Christian endures forever in hell because their sins that were never forgiven by Christ on the cross. They never received Christ. There's eternal wrath. There's an eschatological wrath, which is the Revelation chapter 6 through 18 wrath. A cataclysmic wrath, that'd be like a flood. Consequential wrath, that's, that's the wrath that we endure because of the consequence of our sin. But the wrath that we're talking about in, in verse 18 is the wrath of abandonment. The wrath of abandonment. And let, me, let me read just a few verses here. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Let me just break this down. The first... uh, Actually, your outline is probably incorrect. I, because I changed gears, I didn't really pay that close attention, and I think maybe some of the Roman numeral ones are mixed up. But basically, Roman numeral one is this: the wrath of God. Let's just look at the wrath of God. Let's just kind of expound on that for a moment. Again, the word wrath is from the word Greek word orgē. Now that's only important because there's two different words. One is thumos. Thumos is that explosive wrath, you know, like maybe you're married to a Thumos-type person, you know, you never know when it's going to explode. <laughs> Orge is a deep, settled indignation, a wrath that is under the surface, you don't see it, but it's there. That's, that, that's God's type of wrath. The anger that's there, but you don't see it. It's not momentary, it's, it's long term, but, but he's patient and therefore his wrath is not exhibited. If, if it was thumas, then we'd all be destroyed. We wouldn't even be having the sermon. Okay? But see, God is patient. The wrath is still there and sometimes we forget the wrath of God is there because we see all the beauty around us and we're prospering and the rain falls on the just and the unjust and we think, well, God must be somewhat happy with all of us. Maybe even happy with America. Maybe happy with this world. No, no, it's there. But you know why you know it's there because the Word of God says it's there. Let's look at the. Let's give you a couple things. The quality of God's wrath, in other words, of God. This this is unlike people's type of wrath. People's wrath have a tendency to be explosive, you know, and it's. And many times you don't even know why the person exploded. <laughs> it's, God's wrath is different in this way. It's not tainted by sin. God is righteous, holy, just, and his wrath is... Um, not expected. What's the word? I, I lost the word. His wrath is... Real... No, nah, his wrath is... What? Justified. Justified thank you. Sometimes I lose it. <laughs> uh, Thomas Watts, an old Puritan, said this, Is God so, in, is God so infinitely holy? The he is, then, then see how unlike, unlike to God sin is. No wonder, therefore, that God hates sin, being so unlike to him, nay, so contrary to him, it strikes at his holiness. Sin strikes at the holiness of God, and therefore he hates it, and he is wrath against it. And as you just said, he is justified in his wrath. How about this? The timing of, God, of God's wrath. It says it is revealed from heaven. It's revealed. That's in the present tense. That means it's happening all the time. Actually, if you have eyes to see, you can start saying, oh, that's the wrath of God. Oh, that's the wrath of God. Oh, that's the wrath of God. In other words, it's taking place all the time. It took place in the greatest degree on the cross. Again, by far the surpassing revelation of God's wrath was that that place on the cross upon which his own son took his wrath, the father's wrath. The son took the father's wrath on himself on the cross. He bore the sin of mankind. He bore the full divine force of God's fury as its penalty. So, I mean, we can see it. I mean, if you're a Christian, you know the gospel. That's the fury of God being poured out, the wrath of God being poured out on his son. God hates sin so much, and yet loves sinners so much, and even loves his son so much that he's willing to send his son to be the sin bearer. And now we know in Revelation that as his sheep receive him, that in eternity, for all eternity, His Son will be the Lamb who was slain, right? And receive the glory because He, he took the sin, He took the wrath of Almighty God the Father on Himself. So we see, we see the wrath of God already exhibited. We see it in the Garden of Eden, taken out. We see it with the flood. All of humanity except for eight were saved. We saw, see it with Sodom and Gomorrah. And we see evidences. We see it in our own day and age, the wrath of God. We see it with the passing of the nations. Like I said earlier, Acts 15, 14, verse 15, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. I, what I'm trying to say is this. God is no idle spectator of world events. I think sometimes we think that. ah, He's just an idle spectator. Ah, he'll take care of it in the end, but right now he's not working. No, no, he's working right now. He is working in every event that you're watching on CNN. You're not watching CNN. That's Fox News. (laughs) Oh, I got a little political right there in a moment. No, no. Let's get back on track. He is dynamically active in human affairs. Jeff Wilson said this, Sin is constantly punctuated by divine judgment he's constantly nursing constantly things are happening no no he is not passively a spectator he is actively and this is the great thing even among human responsibility and human will and all the decisions that are being made in this world god is moving everything to its precise order which we will be covering in just another few weeks in revelation that's how sovereign he is Remember what Psalm says, God does whatever he pleases. So often we wonder, I don't know about you, I do, why do wicked people prosper, seemingly without impunity? (laughs) Why is that? I mean, sin seems to be increasing, but with no apparent response from heaven. Well, this message is going to answer that. No, it's being answered it's just not answered the way that we think see we like Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 11 it says this because the sentence well we don't like it but I mean we wish this would happen because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil don't we want that Wouldn't we like this evil done execution of, of uh, punishment on evil doer they're gone Wouldn't you like that type of scenario? Yeah, we wouldn't have any problem in the Middle East. That was my next point. What he said was this, you wouldn't be here either. No, 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 we want the patience of God. Donald Gray Barnhouse tells this story. He was a Presbyterian pastor down at uh, Philadelphia years ago. He recounts the story of a group of godly farmers in the Midwest community being really, really irritated one Sunday morning by neighbors plowing his field across from the church. So you've got to kind of picture, you know, we're hearing, and, you know, and he's plowing the field. Noise from his tractor interrupted the worship service, and as it turned out, the man had purposely chosen to plow that particular field on Sunday morning in order to make a point. That same farmer that was the irritant wrote a letter to the editor of the local paper asserting that although he did not respect the Lord or honor the Lord's day, he had the highest yield per acre of any farm in the country, or in the county, excuse me, county. He asked the editor how Christians could explain that. In other words, ungodly man, best yield. With considerable insight and wisdom, the editor printed the letter and then followed with the simple statement, quote, God does not settle all of his accounts in the month of October. <laughs> He doesn't he doesn't settle his counsel we forget that notice this wrath is the extent of it is all ungodliness against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men i see we're almost we're going to get out of time so well let's go to the next one the reasons for the wrath what's the reason well we find the reason the main reason at the very end of verse 18 it says Because these men, these unrighteous men, suppress the truth in unrighteousness. In fact, if you go down through this passage, notice how many uh, words are used for the thinking process. Ungodly men, men and women, obviously mankind mankind I'm talking about. Sin has affected the thinking ability of the ungodly. Thankfully, when we get saved our minds are also being rescued. This is what we call the noetic effect of sin, of the fall, which is sin. The fall, sin, has affected our mind, has affected our, our thinking. And, and notice how many places it says, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, they, they cling to their ungodliness and condemn the light. Because what they know know of God is manifest in them God has shown it to them. Skip down. His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood. Verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, but became futile. Look at all the thinking. Ungodly man hates God. His mind does not want to accept God. It doesn't want to respond to God. It doesn't certainly want to obey God. Why does the wrath of God come on a people? Why does God abandon a society? Because they suppress the truth of God. Now notice this one right here. Because, verse 19, what what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them, that's in the conscience, for since the creation of the world, isn't, isn't that interesting? He goes back to the creation of the world. Who created the world? His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead. You look at creation, Genesis <coughs> or uh, Psalms, the glory of God is see all creation. You should easily come to cause and effect. He's the cause. God is great. God is mighty. God is powerful. His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. And yet, what does mankind do? Suppress it? No! We will not admit that you are the creator. Sinful man opposes the idea of a holy creator. Well, it makes sense, because if he's the creator, we're responsible to him. See, then his standards are right and correct, and he becomes our judge. So no, we cannot have him as creator. And then you have to suppress the conscience because the conscience is, is blaring, saying, Yes, he is. Because simple reason, simple reasoning. I mean just just thinking, cause and effect. Right? This leads to this, leads to this, leads to this, cause and effect. Where, where'd the tree come from? Nothing? Nowhere? Nobody? No? What did I say? Who's the call? Well, see, reason is a device, as one man said, given by God to all human beings. That leads them directly back to him. That's what reason should do. A logical person, a logically thinking person would say, well, no, so the, the the tree came from someone. Like if I told you, man, I found this thing in the dirt. it uh, well, actually it wasn't in the dirt. What I did is I just took a bunch of uh, um, uh, Campbell soup cans and I put it in a bag and I just put it on this vibrator, and I just, and, you know, I open up the bag, and this, I'll pop this. Really? No, seriously. No, I'm I'm not, I'm not kidding here. I am telling you the truth. This just came through chance. I mean, if you really started believing that I was saying, you know, like, this is what I believe, you'd have to say, you know what, we need to take a walk to, they'll have some white suits for you. (laughs) God is the first cause of everything. That's why he mentioned him as creator. That's in the very fabric of a human being. And you know, you, know what I mean? you, you, you have to work hard for a couple of hundred years. I mean, this is, you've got to work hard for a couple of hundred years to convince an entire society that's, that that's completely nonsense, that what we see didn't come from a person, didn't come from a cause. I mean, you've got to work real hard to convince them that there is no cause out there. Or to say it this way, that nobody times nothing equals everything. That's, that's irrational. But that's what our society has bought into. Right? That's why he keeps going back. By the way, we saw him as creator in Romans 1. We, didn't we see him in uh, Revelation chapter 4? Yeah, that's the base. That's the starting point. And though it doesn't make sense, it works in a totally immoral culture because if there's no creator, then there is no judge. That's the first reason why God gives a people over, the suppression of the truth. I'm going to have to quickly go through these last three. Because of idolatry, look at verse 21, because although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. They weren't thankful to him, but it became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish heart was darkened, becoming more and more dark. See, they failed to give them glory for all the things that we have as the true creator and their hearts become darkened, darker and darker and darker and darker. Maybe at the beginning they they were the deceivers. Now they're the deceived. That's how it works. The deceivers become the deceived. And then, oh, look at this one. And the third, because of their arrogance, professing to be wise, they become fools. The word fool is moraine. We get the word moron. They become morons, simpletons. By the way, after they become simpletons, they give each other PhDs to prove their intelligence. I'm not against PhDs. I'm not against master's degrees. But if it doesn't line up with scripture, it's simpleton. Right? Can I say, can you give an amen? amen? Truth is what, it's what is going to ha- be standing when we're all gone. Right? Again, I'm not against you if you have a PhD, but if you have a PhD that says there is no God, then you're a fool. I don't care if you have it, in, I don't even care if it's in gold print, right? <laughs> no, I, I, you know what, I, I I. I. I used to listen to some pastors and sometimes preachers and you know, they, they hated intelligence and knowledge, and they just beat up anybody that ever had a degree, and I am not there. But what I'm saying is a society that forsakes God starts to pat them on the self on their back saying how wise they are but God says you're fools just look at the tree look at the look at how everything works together you know this that you can actually uh, you can actually determine uh, years in advance uh, years forward when the high tide in New, York, New, New Jersey you're going to be why? because it's consistent you know because evolution created it that way no because God is consistent right? I'm out of time. Society insists that we are doing great. Well, when I say I'm out of time, that's a generic term. That's a pretty ambiguous, pretty ambiguous. No, I'm just, I'm saying like it's 25 of I got to get moving, you know. That's what I mean. Okay. And look at verse 23, self-made religion. That's the fourth reason why God gives up a people. In India, they have 300 million gods. Well, oh, here, look at what they do. Change the glory of the incorruptible, verse 23, of God into an image made like corruptible man. Birds and four-footed animals, creeping things. Animals, people override God. Environmentalism does a lot of that. Okay. You know, animals are more important than people. I've told you before, environmentalism in the way that it's being handled. I'm not saying, you know, don't throw your dirty, you know, McDonald's cup off out the road. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the, the core elements of it is actually killing people, not in America, but in the a, in a foreign countries. It's very deadly to humanity, but it just shows. It, it's, 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 you know, uh, survival of the fittest. Okay, let's get to the third element the description of the wrath of God. What happens? We know why it's going to happen. They suppress the truth, get a different God, you know, become fools. But why? Why? Or excuse me, what? What happens? Therefore, he gave them over. He let them go his way. Ephraim, found after idols, let him go. Samson did not realize the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. Let him go. This is a judicious uh, term, gave them over. It comes down to the idea of like handing a guilty prisoner over for punishment. God has acted to hand over a society, now in this context a society, over uh, to a sentence. Again, I repeat, the history of the world is the judgment of the world. There comes a time in a nation when God has had enough and he literally lets them go and turns them over to the sentence that they have passed upon themselves by their and incessant sinful choices. In other words, he deprives them of restraining grace. That's what he's getting at. You know, I don't know, does this, does this sound like any country that you know? Verse 24, God also gave them up to uncleanness. The word uncleanness is specific. It literally means decaying matter. It would be used like of that, uh, as I told the uh, ABF, uh, you know, the deer that you see on the side of the road that was hit like a week ago. I mean, it's gross. Putrid. That's what he gives them over to, uncleanness. Uh, the word gave them over, which is going to appear three times, is very intense. He gives them over to their sin. Brother, what does sin do? Sin degrades. It debases. It strips a person or a nation of dignity. Sin takes away the peace of mind. It takes away a clear conscience. He gives them over to uncleanness. When a nation goes through, uh, when a nation is being abandoned by God, they have, well, what is this uncleanness? Sexual. They have a sexual revolution. That's what he's referring to. Sexual revolution. By the way, in America, that happened in the 60s. See, the steps, and, and if you say, well, when did it really start to happen? It really started happening in the, at, the, at the turn of the 1900s because evolution was starting to get a grip and a foothold. went through the Roaring Twenties. There was a lot of immorality back then. But see, the war, the crises of World War I and II woke us up for a moment. Crises often do that. But again, sexual revolution. And, and look at verse 24. In the lusts of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves. I mean, the lusts are so great, they just dishonor their bodies. And remember, the only, only thing God needs to do to judge a person, to judge a nation, is to let them go. This judgment is passive. See, restraining grace is Active. No, 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 you don't want to go there. It's kind of like you, you and your kid, you know. Let's say your kid is 14 years old and they're getting into things that you, they shouldn't. No, 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 you don't want to go there. In fact, I'm so serious about you not going there. You've got to be in at 11 o'clock because you're not going to be out walking the streets at 1 in the morning. Restraining grace. God takes the nation and at times when the nation falls, nope, I'm just letting you go. It's passive. Just take my hand. He's just taking his hands off his people. Verse 25, we exchange the truth of God for a lie. See, so no longer is God the, the true God, a lie. And worship can serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Uh, what, what are we saying, a creature? Uh, you become man-centered. My pleasures, my wants, my desires. You, you, call, you do the sexual revolution because it's all about my pleasures. And that's what you see in the 60s and every form of immorality and perversion and ungodliness is accepted as norm in that particular society. Are we there? You could say it this way, the society becomes a pornographic society. Step two. Now we know it's step two because look at verse 20. This is happening because the judgment of God has already fallen. This is not like, this is the judgment of God. This is because the judgment of God has already fallen and now they descend. Verse 26, for this reason God gave them over to, now i use a different word, vile or degrading passions. See, God gave them over not just to passions that are explainable and understandable. See, sexual revolution, okay, I get it. We are sexual beings. I understand why a man would want to pursue a woman, right? Do you understand that? Does that make sense to you? But now we're entering a different scenario. It's unexplainable. Why would a man want to pursue a man? God gave over to passions that are, that are not explainable, are not understandable, they're incomprehensible, they're bizarre, unexplainable, perverted. You know what else it is? Dehumanizing. Self-destroying. I mean, look at the filth out there. It's self-destroying. And he defines what he's talking about. For even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. You know a society has been abandoned by God when it celebrates lesbian sex. I mean, that's just becoming, that's the, wow, you're just descending into hell as God has given them over to gross affections, unnatural, unthinkable. And then, look at verse 27, then also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful. So you go from a sexual revolution to a homosexual revolution. Obviously, we've, we've got the pinnacle of it this week. Five people determining the direction of an entire nation. Why? But see, why did, why did that happen? Because we are, we are being given the consequences for our ungodliness. Let me throw in one little piece. God doesn't destroy, I mean, when God allows the destruction of a people, many times it looks okay from a societal point of view. Hey, we're living in vast materialism. Materialism isn't the blessing of God. See. But you know what? You know one of the, one of the reasons why we, we find it so difficult to see the wrath of God in our society? You know one of the reasons is? Because of materialism. We're still eating. We still have our homes. We still have our three cars and our extra vehicles. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? We got everything. God's not a... Prosperity is not the test of whether God is happy with the people. Amen. And yet, that is unfortunately why we feel very comfortable. If... When we get hit with that dirty bomb and 20 million people die in one city, I think you're going to see a mass. God, what have we done wrong? Well, why can't we just see it right now? Right. You know? What do they call it? An EMB, EMP, electron uh, pulse. You know, they say that two, uh, two, uh, two um, uh, nuclear weapons dropped at two points in the United States could literally wipe out the electrical grid. Now, can you imagine living without electricity? God, save us! <laughs> see, <clears throat> oh, there's an, why do they say women, by the way? Women are usually the last ones to capitulate, capitulate to immorality like that. They have the nurturing aspect in there. So when you see lesbianism, then that's becoming the final. Oh, okay, let me say this right here. Do not walk away from this and saying, yeah, the enemy is the lesbians, the homosexuals. That is not what the scripture is saying. He's just saying, listen, these are the evidences of God's wrath on a nation. Do, can a homosexual be saved? Can a Republican be saved? How about a Democrat? Okay. All these people are savable as God works in their life, okay? But the point is, is you see indicators. Whoa, whoa! And what it should have done is stop. Whoa, we got to stop this. This is against even creation. Let's see, people are blinded. Actually, a nation could be blinded in, well, actually three different ways. The natural man does not receive the things that are of the Spirit of God because they are you know, not of him. They, they can't perceive, they can't grab a hold of. They can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to Him. It says the God of this world has blinded. So you have not only your natural man, you're blinded, but then the Spirit of this world blinds you, and then the culture blinds you. This is the... Sometimes the hardest one because the culture, everybody around the culture is saying everything's okay, so compounded blindness. But the point is, and I love this quote by C.S. Lewis: "The lost enjoy forever the horrible freedom they have demanded, and are therefore self enslaved." That's what he does to a nation. Well, you want it? You're free free to be self enslaved because by the way sin always enslaves sin always enslaves. God abandons the sinner to their choices and consequences and then finally look at the last step God gave them over to a debased mind you go from a sexual revolution to a homosexual revolution to actually what I would say is a truth revolution truth is no longer truth there is no right and wrong there's no absolutes and this is the damning of them all this is the worst See, remember I told you they suppress the truth this is the final one debased mind that's the ultimate and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting not proper the debased there means it's non-functional it's been tested and found useless the mind is useless and therefore it's hopeless because you can't find your way back once your mind stops and you find all these crazy things coming out of the political system, and don't you want to like scream and tear your hair out? What are they thinking? They're not. That's the point. They have a debased mind, as a society. Their wickedness is even unfitting. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. not fitting, not proper. It's hopeless. And I'll tell you what, this, this society, this type of society will have all, it, it, they will tolerate everything, but they will not tolerate this. They will not tolerate anger against sin. That's the one thing they will not tolerate. Or I'll tolerate anything else. But you better not get angry at, do you not, do you not, don't you dare call my lifestyle sinful. <laughs> I was reminded of this last week. When the impeached President uh, Clinton when the impeached now this is going back twenty five years. Yeah, (laughs) about when the impeached President Clinton was caught in his scandalous immorality, remember in the nineties? Caught red handed. His approval ratings went. See, we were under the we were under the uh, wrath of God then. Why? Because the population wanted a leader like them. Finally, what must we do? Oh, just, you know, build a bomb shelter and go live in the woods. No, 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 no. Let me give you four or five things. One, be protected from the eternal wrath by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Make sure you're not going to have to not only endure the uh, abandonment, Wrath of abandonment as a nation. Because we are an American. I mean, whatever happens to our neighbors happens to us. But I'm talking now eternal wrath. That's why Paul started in Romans 1, not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. See, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the salvation that we can have through Christ. It is the power of God to salvation. John chapter 3, verse 36 says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. You believe in the Son, you put your trust and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have eternal life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Have you solved the issue of your own personal sin? Have you received Christ? as your lord and savior have you been forgiven for your sin are you protected from eternal wrath that's the most important commitment you'll ever make right number 2 this is the second one be careful to be holy when you live in a society that's a cesspool that's been abandoned by god and when they're swirling down you know what you can easily do kind of buy into their system you can buy into their system you can buy into the results of a debased mind. In fact, he names them. If you go, if you're in Romans 1, look at verse 29, he names what's going to happen. They're filled with what? Unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness. I mean, this is what you see on the tooth. Maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil minded. I mean, we can start thinking these are normal. These are wickedness. This is wickedness. Whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, pro, proud boasters, inventors of evil. Does our society invent evil? Disobedient to parents. In the Old Testament, if you rebel against your parents, you're killed. We don't take that even serious anymore. Oh, we just got to let them have, the. you know, they got to find out for themselves, you know. Yeah. What do I say? Be careful to be holy because if you're in a cesspool, you might get splashed with a, a little bit of filth and think, well, that's not that bad. And then you get you know, a little bit more filth and it's not that bad. I'll tell you, that's what happens. I know for me, if I allow a little bit of sin, I, it has a tendency to just suck me right in. And then, then I'm watching things that are completely inappropriate. I mean, the Lord's name is being cursed here and carrying around, you know. You know what, what You know what you find if you watch a movie like that? Second time you watch it, you don't go like that. Hmm, it's just entertainment. Be careful to be holy. You know, if you look at that list, do you do any of those things? Do you consider them normal? (laughs) Boasters, inventors of evil, disobedience of parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving. I mean, again, God will even let a Christian go the way of their foolishness for a while. I do believe that he rescues, especially, I mean, I'm talking to a believer now. But again, I go back to Corinthians 6. It says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. We need to be a holy people. I am telling you this. I won't get into particulars. I have, I have deeply failed at times. I do not want you, oh, you're, no, no, deeply. But I am speaking of experience. And you would too. If you, I mean, if you're an older Christian, you'd say, you know, no, no, be holy. Be holy. There's nothing good on the other side, right? I mean, I'm saying on the side of sin. There's nothing good. Learn to be holy. Learn to see the distinction. You live in a cesspool in this society. Learn to distinct... Okay, some of you are overwhelmed with pornography. I understand that is, that is dreadfully wrong, right? But we live in a pornographic society. Some of you are actually thinking of probably cheating on your spouse. No, that is absolutely wrong, right? So you need to, no, no, we need to be this far away, not like this far, you know, close. When I say thinking, I've, you've had a thought. Oh, no, I've had a thought at times. Lord, save me. Let me be sensitive to you. Be careful to be holy. Number three, be proclaiming the truth. This is a time for, not, this is not a time for weak Christians. This is a time for strong Christians. Says Ephesians 4, speak the truth in love. Speak up. You're going to have an opportunity probably at your uh, family reunion. Speak up. You can do it graciously, kind, gentle. Speak up. Number four, be praying for mercy. (laughs) I like that one guy said, do not give us the government that we deserve. See, you're admitting we deserve it. Lord, don't give it to us. Give us mercy. You can still pray for that. Give us mercy, Lord. Give us mercy. We need to be praying for our nation. This is not the time for us to be silent and stop praying for our nation. You need to Lord, don't give us what we deserve and show them that your wrath is on them, on us. And then finally, be merciful. I want to highlight this, especially after everything that happened with the rulings and... Is, is homosexuality the enemy? Is that lifestyle an enemy against God? At enmity, right? So in one sense, that is the enemy. But in the other sense, what does Jesus Christ say? Love your... So you reach out, you reach out with mercy and grace and patience and love, because can they be rescued? Just like a Republican can be rescued. But you want to you be merciful. Sometimes we make them the enemy. I don't want you around. That's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. See, they are sinners in, needs of, in need of God's saving grace. So we need to treat it like that. As this world goes down, what happens? There's a few that are lights, and I say few because there's only ever a few, that are true Christians, that are the true light. True light. And when dark gets dark, 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 they're looking, they'll are looking. they be at one time, many of them will be looking for the light, right? When they hit the bottom, crises happens. they're about ready to die, and they're going to die of AIDS. Actually, I never mentioned that, but there's a consequential part there of their own deeds. Well, who, who can I turn to, not my, not my life on this earth is ending. See, if you've been standing strong, living a biblical life, they might just say, where is that Keith Hallmock? I want to talk to him because he was different in Alfred Allman all those years, right? That's hopefully the way it is. Not like, well, he's just saying, I'm going to point him out because I believe what I just said of him, right? So that's what you, we need to be lights in this world. Don't put your, don't put a bush over your light, Matthew 5. So again, you, we have to love because it, this, this is, I, I'm very concerned. This is why I preach the, you got to see where we're at, but sometimes Christian, you know what we do? Let's go to the bunker, guys. Follow me. <laughs> Let the flood go over, let, let them go to hell, they deserve it anyways. Wow, isn't that an unbiblical thought? Yeah. We all deserve hell. So no, no, this, is, this might be, if you do it right, this might be our finest hour. Yes. Because finally, we've got this impediment off our shoulders, God and country were the same thing. Patriotism and the flag and Christianity were equal. That is no longer true. You cannot say that any longer after this week. Finally, that is off our shoulders. Thank God. Because now we can really be citizens of heaven, which we were all along anyways. We just got a little muddled sometimes. Yes, I'm American. I'm not going to give up my citizenship. But you know what? I'm a citizen of heaven. And therefore, this could be our finest hour because this might be the time that we have our greatest impact on this world. If... You're walking with Jesus Christ. Let's stand as we worship Him. Confess your sin, repent of your sin, and turn to Him for forgiveness, and He will will save you right where you're at. Are you careful to be holy? Or have you allowed the sewage of the world to splash on you And it's become so regular that you're no longer wiping it off through repentance and forgiveness and confession and you just kind of are living there. In fact, you're starting to find it's easier and easier to sin in that one area. You're being sucked down slowly. Maybe you didn't even realize it, but the Bible says that we need to be separate. I'd encourage you to repent. Repent right now. Repent, Lord, I want to go in a different direction. Lord, don't let me be like Samson. Samson. Don't let me be like David. David didn't fall in one moment. It took time. Sin always does that. It just wears away at your holiness. Are you proclaiming the truth or you're fearful? Have you been given the opportunity the last few weeks, but you just didn't take the opportunity because you're ashamed, you're fearful, you're not bold, you just shrunk? i confess that. Lord, help me be a truth teller. Lord, give me opportunity. Let me take the opportunity. Let me be bold because you're the Lord. Are you praying for mercy for this nation? You know, we're just going to hell in a handbasket. There's no hope. No! Think of Nineveh. <laughs> that was even with a disobedient prophet. No, I don't want to go. I'm going the other direction. Oh, I'll tell them. I just hope they go to hell. That was Jonah. But the truth is powerful. Never give up. Never give up. I mean, you know, the great words of Churchill. Let's just take it into the Christian realm. He was just, that was a secular. This, we're, so, we're serving the sovereign God. But the question is this, have you been praying for our nation and our leaders? Because if you haven't, you need to repent of that. And use President Obama by name. I found it for years, I couldn't even pray for the guy by name. No, no, no. By name, he needs the Lord. And finally, Be merciful. When you' come across sinners, whether they're homosexual or Republican, share the good news with them. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would give us wisdom, strength, power, boldness. Lord, we have such a great opportunity to shine his lights. Such a great opportunity to be salt the distinction between the world and true Christianity is becoming wider and wider. The void and the gap is wider and wider. And actually, we thank you for that because now we can shine with your glory, with, with no impediments. And yet, Lord, I pray that you would give us the power to do that. Um, Father, help us to repent in these areas because sometimes we have just had a fatalistic view and yet we know that you're on the throne And that your purposes will be accomplished and that you do everything that you please. Thank you for the book of Revelation that shows us the end. So now we ask that you would just strengthen us, fortify us, help us to be about your business. There's going to become some trying days ahead. Days of struggles, days of suffering. Let us stand true to your word, true to our King. And as Timothy tells us, help us to be good soldiers for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen.